Is anyone having to work tomorrow? There, oh, there's quite a few. <laughs> Sorry. That's sad. That is sad. I don't know where to go. I don't know why I did that, actually. But you, in, you enjoy your day tomorrow at work, um, loving life. We'll all also be like enjoying life at home and having fun. But um, I hope this long weekend has been great for everybody. This morning as we kick off, I really just dug a hole. <laughs> where do I go to now? Um, we'll kick off here. I remember a time um, as a child doing little athletics, and uh, my coach would give us all kinds of advice, all kinds of techniques and all kinds of things, you know, the way to stretch before you run and all these kinds of things. But there was one thing um, that stood out above all other things. He said that when you're running a race or when you're, um, you know, just 100 metres or 200 metres, whatever it may be, or a relay, keep this in mind. And he reinforced it and he reinforced it. He says, run as fast as you can and don't look back. Run as fast as you can and don't look back. There were three reasons why he said this. He said, as you're running, you keep your eyes fixed on that finish line. Don't turn left, don't turn right, keep your eyes fixed on it. Because as you turn back, that throws you off balance. Your your motion, the way you're running, it's not going to help you go as fast as you can by turning backwards. The other thing is it it, it loses concentration. So as you're looking where other runners are, where other people are, that distracts you from where you're going. And the other thing was um, also it slows you down. That idea of as you turn left or turn right or look back, You know, it can be seconds that takes it off your time that potentially could lose the race. So he reinforced this over and over and over. He says, as you're running, keep your eyes on that finish line and and don't look back. And so my kids, I became now um, coach mama when they were five years old. And and so they're ready ready to do their, you know, athletics carnival. Who else had these kids, you know, when they're they're doing their carnival and they're five years old and they're cute and all they want to do is, you know, see where their friends are. And I'm like, okay, kids, this is my advice to you. I I know this well. It has worked well for me. As you're running the race, just look at the finish line. Don't worry about Jeremy. Don't worry about Tyson. Don't worry about your friends. Just look at the finish line and run as fast as you can. The boys implemented this well and therefore got lots of blue ribbons. Chantel, on the other hand, she loved her friends. She wanted to know where they were at in the race. And also got lots of colourful ribbons. No, not, never the blue, always the colourful one. But this morning as we open up and we look at the text today, this idea that Paul will also refer to this in the Bible, that each one of us he will refer to is that we run a race, that our lives, the impact that we have, and for many of us in this place, we're all on this journey of heading towards Christ. This idea that it might be not a finish line as say, but our focus and our attention, that as we are choosing to follow Christ, as we're choosing to um, walk in the ways that he is calling us to, that should be our fixed point. That should be the thing that we aim at. And so this morning we're going to look at this scripture and it shows us these interactions with Jesus, with these three people that are desiring to follow Jesus. And we're going to open that up in Luke chapter 9 verses 57 to 62. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests. 
but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Over here we see these three people with this desire to follow Jesus. They're all desiring this. One of them, um, they're um, actually asking Jesus, two of them are asking Jesus to follow him. The other one, Jesus is asking him, asking them to follow him. And over here, what we see with this first person, this idea, and he's like, Jesus, I want to follow you. My desire is to follow you. And Jesus replies to him, he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his, his head. Jesus is saying here that to follow him, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something. It's not going to be luxurious. Over here, he's like, he's pointing out to him, you know, these foxes have homes, these birds have homes. I don't have a home. It's not going to be a luxurious thing to come and follow me. What is really interesting in this interaction that we see. So he asks Jesus, my desire is to follow you. And then Jesus replies, and then this guy, crickets. There's nothing, there's nothing left said after that. What is it going to cost us? If our desire is to follow Jesus, if our desire is that fixed point of, Jesus, I am wanting to go all in and follow you. What we first got to understand, what we first got to know is that Jesus has paid the price for each one of us. Anyone that calls upon his name, we are saved. We are saved, but then as we follow after him, as we desire to be in the steps where he, he points out to us, it costs us something. Has anyone felt that whilst following Jesus? You have Jackie, good. Jackie's amazing for many times. <laughs> this idea that as we follow, it is a costly choice that we make. It must cost us something. In a world where individualism, that we are very individualistic, this idea that I would choose what I see, when I see it, I'll choose when to go, what to do, this whole lifestyle of ours has become more tailored. We can tailor it around our needs and our specific needs. But what does it look like where that gets flipped on its head to say, actually, our life, we lay it down to be able to follow you. We sang that in the lyrics this morning. Those words that we sing to say, actually, Christ, Jesus, I am going to follow after you. But it's going to cost us something. And what will it cost us? For each one of us, that will look different. In your, in your lifestyle, in how you go about your days, looks different to mine. But what I have felt, this real need, is I've started to go to the gym. But what that looks like, I get up in the morning, I'm a morning person, so I generally go to the gym in the morning. But now, that breaks the routine of time spent with God, reading the Bible, journaling, all these kinds of stuff. So now where does the cost come? Do I say, okay, I won't read my Bible anymore, but I'll just, you know, get onto the gym and health is good, health is important, but no. If we are to desire 
if we are to follow, there is a cost that comes to our lives. There is a laying down of self to say, not my will, but your will be done, Jesus, in my life. And so what is the cost that we, we pay? And the cost will be that time, we are time poor people, that what is the time that we create in our days to be able to say, Jesus, if you are that fixed point, if you are the way that I'm following, what is it in my life now that is representing that? How am I carving out time? How am I spending time with you? How is your presence, how is your presence coming into my life that it will affect and have impact into my world? All these over here it says, foxes have homes, birds have homes. I have no place to lay. Comfort, luxury, living a lifestyle the way we want to live it. We forfeit that as we choose to follow Jesus. We lay that down to say, Jesus, I give myself, I surrender myself, all of who I am to your will, to your ways. And that's going to have an impact and that's going to cost us. When our lives are busy, when our lives are not going well, what does it look like to still remain that course and to still remain firm in taking those steps closer to Jesus? On the, the second person over here in verse 60, who Jesus over here is personally asking him to say, hey, come follow me. The man over here now hesitates because he wants to go home and bury his father. Now that is, seems valid, but what Jesus is saying here, the fact does not depend on the death of his father. Jesus is not even referring to death in this point. What he's saying is, this is what I see, and this is what needs to be addressed, is this hesitant behavior. This idea that, oh yeah, Jesus has asked me to follow him, I've responded, but just wait, just hold on Jesus. Just got to do this thing first and I'll get back to you. Jesus was confronting this, not now, maybe later. I haven't got an end timeline on that. I don't know when I'll catch up with you, Jesus, but let me go and do this thing and I'll come back to you. Without a time to say, you know, just let's do this and then I'm going to come straight back. But over here, Jesus was addressing this idea of, what do we hesitate? Where do we hesitate? When Jesus calls us to do something, I don't know about you, I wake up in the morning and I'm pumped and I'm here and reading the Bible, I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And then an hour later, I've completely gone sideways and I've completely lost what I was so passionate for an hour ago. Or I've heard God speak and I hesitate and I pause. This idea of, we have to ask ourselves, what or who has our heart, our loyalty? What is it that we hold in our hearts, in our lives, that holds that first place? Is it Jesus? Is it work? Is it school? Is it friends? Is it family? Because over here, our choice as Christ followers is to follow Jesus is to lay all ourselves and we go all in to what he is calling us to. And he is saying over here that this idea of what I would put it as is not yet Jesus. 
that when he speaks, when he calls, when he, we hear his voice speak to us, that we can sometimes say, not yet, Jesus. Jesus, not yet, because I'm in this, I've got these babies and I'm getting no sleep. I haven't slept for a year. Listen to me. I have a 23-year-old and no matter what it is, they're always time-consuming. It just looks a little bit different. It is always time-consuming. This not yet Jesus, I'm too tired. Or not yet Jesus, just when I get my studies done, then I'm going to have all the time in the world to follow after you. Or not yet Jesus, I'm just so busy with work and all, all these things. Then I'll start serving and going where you're calling me to. There is this hesitation. There is these these things that will always come at us to distract us. There will always be something. But over here, when Jesus is calling this guy, it's this urgency and this, this response that should be immediate. But yet this guy responds with hesitant behavior. That he's like, just, just not yet, Jesus. Each one of us will have these areas that show up where there are great things that we can do. Raising kids, having an awesome family, doing all these things are good and great things to do. But in the priority of following Jesus, what do we sacrifice and what do we, we do in order to be able to put that as a forefront of who we are? As followers of Christ, to be able to represent him in this world, to be able to have that impact and that, that authority in the places where we go to, is having be with him and having hear him and be able to be obedient to walk in that. And what will come, and I'm not sure if you experience this, but as we wake up and we go, God, I desire to follow after you. I am all in. I am going to go for it. No doubt the fridge blows up, the freezer packs in, the kids melt down, the husband's going crazy. This predictable resistance comes. Who feels this? Come on, people. We've all been there, right? As we walk and as we move towards Jesus, what we recognize is this predictable resistance does come. I'm not going to tell you it doesn't because it does come. Whether you haven't experienced that already or not, it comes. But then how do we stay the track? How do we still keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? Because what is what I can sometimes see in the lives of people, that as resistance comes, as opposition comes, as all these things get thrown at us, what we generally firstly try to do or what we do is you know, I just don't have time for church or I don't have time to meet with God or I don't have time for that. And all these things that are so important, five minutes spent in his presence can change a story. Five minutes of his presence can change a situation. Five words uttered in utter desperate, will be able to change and heal things. But then often that's the first thing that we forget, like, oh, you know, caught up in whatever is happening. This predictable resistance does come. But in those times, I'm not sure about you, but I, I get a little bit excited in those moments. <laughs> get a little, a little bit like, okay, I see what's going on. I see what's happening. 
and start rolling up the sleeves and what do we do to stand the course? Because sometimes it's really easy to take the path of least resistance. Sometimes it's really easy to say, that is too hard a road to walk, so I'm going to just go do this. I'm just going to, you know, hang out my school friends, hang out my workmates, because it's, you know, there seems to be this is an easy place to hang out. But to be able to stand that, that ground, to be able to stay in your lane, and to be able to keep moving towards him, it takes commitment, it takes time, it takes, even if it's the smallest of step. What, is it gonna, what are you going to do to hold that ground? And it costs us something. It costs us to be able to stand in those places and hold our ground. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not fun. But what excites me is what's on the other side of it. What excites me is this is resistance, but I know there's something great on the other end. And here is what we hold on to is that where we stand, no matter how hard it feels, this is the truth, that Jesus Christ has conquered death, that Jesus Christ has won the battle, that Jesus Christ has the victory, so we stand with that assurance, we stand in that space with the truth that he is in front of us, beside us and behind us, and that we walk firmly in that path. It's a cost to follow him. This idea that this not yet Jesus can be so easy on our lips to be able to say and hear his voice and then yeah, 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 great intention. I'm all in Jesus, but just let me go and do this thing. I'm not sure when I'm coming back, but let me just go do this thing and I'll come back. How do we hold firm to what he's saying and walking into that? The third person here in verse 61 states he wants to first go back home to say goodbye to the family. Although it would, be, it would seem like, you know, legitimate, this is great, Jesus is calling me, but Jesus, just hang on, I'm just going to go say goodbye to the family. I don't know what it looked like, may not be able to see the family for a long time. And so it seems okay, but again, Jesus challenges him here, is where are your priorities? Where are your priorities? If you're saying, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I'm just going to go back. I'm just going to look back. I'm just going to go back to my family, and then I'll get back to you. Again, challenging us in this space of what are our priorities? Where is that with us in terms of what we put in place first? I want to follow you, Jesus, but let me just go back. Jesus now, with these three wavering possibilities, very clearly concludes and says, no one puts his hand to the plough and looks back, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Over here, Jesus is speaking in the language of the day, this ploughing the field. I've never ploughed a field, so I'm going to refer it to, um, let's just take it as mowing the lawn. I'm guessing that would be a similar sort of vibe, is um, my limited um, ploughing experience. And so this idea, which I get the concept, you know when you see a nice mowed lawn and they've got all the stripes because it's gone that way and then that way and it's just really beautiful. But over here he's saying nobody who ploughs the lawn and looks back is going to get a well-ploughed lawn. 
It's going to be crooked. It's going to be all over the place because you try mowing that lawn this afternoon, maybe on the long weekend, and then you're looking back, it's not going to be a straight line, is it? And what he's saying here, that as we look back, as we turn back, that what that does is distract. What that does is keep us there sometimes. That we, what we might do is look back on those good old days. Remember the days where we sung hymns, hung out together. You know, there wasn't all these flashing lights and all this gear. It was just good. But we can't remain there. Because what God is saying, and as we're following Jesus, that for 2020, he is calling us to other things, greater things. Or maybe the looking back is that there's been past hurts, there's been past pain, there's been things that have been done or said to you, and you're still there. And it's holding you, and it's keeping you from the things that God has for you. So this idea of looking back is not helpful in the journey to be able to be um, running, walking, moving towards what Christ has for us. And as we wrap up, I'm going to invite the band to come. I was going to say my friends. (laughs) They are my friends. How good is Sophie Jones? How good is she? Leading worship at the sweet age of 16. She's incredible. As we wrap up today... What I've been hearing more and more as I'm hearing people's stories and hearing people's lives and what they're, what's happening to them recently, there seems to be a lot of this resistance. There seems to be things coming from left, right and centre in the lives of people. And I'd love to pray for us that it might be something that you feel like, I'm in the face of some resistance. Or I hear God calling me and I need to be a little bit more responsive to that. Maybe I have been a bit distracted by other things. And I invite you all to stand up and I'd love to pray for us that this morning it might be a fresh call, a fresh um, thing that you're hearing from God today as He speaks to your heart to say, come and and take that step closer to me. Or maybe it is that thing where you recognise and you have that desire to follow Jesus, but you know there's something stopping and blocking you at the minute. I would love to pray for anyone in that, that maybe there's something in that today for you. And you're like, just include me in that prayer because what I feel is that God has incredible things in front of us. And God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. And the enemy doesn't love it. (laughs) And I'd love to just pray for us that if there's something here this, this morning that you're like, just include me in the prayer that God would make a way. If you just want to raise your hand, I'll pray for us. Thank you. That's good. Heavenly Father, you know every story of the people that have raised their hands. And that, Lord, their heart is to des- and desire is to follow after you. My prayer, Lord, is that as we follow, as we choose, Lord God, again, anew and afresh to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. 
Lord, I pray that anything that would stop that would be removed in Jesus' name. Any resistance that comes, that God, I pray that you would remove that in Jesus' name. Or more so, I pray that we, you would give the strength, the confidence, the assurance that the one who has conquered death stands beside us. The one who can make a way is in front of us. And that Jesus, we pray that there would be a great resolve in saying that Jesus is with me. Who can be against me? That Heavenly Father, that you would, um, Lord, just pour Um, your Holy Spirit into the lives here this morning that would strengthen, that would equip, that would give them all that they need for the season ahead. That we would stay firm, Lord God, with our eyes locked on you, Jesus. Not looking back, not distracted. Lord God, we pray that you would make a way. We pray that you would have your way. And that Jesus, that you would be seen in us and through us in this world, that there would be a kingdom impact, Lord, through your people. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing this song. Are we singing Waymaker, Sophie?